0: We'll begin our reading in the second chapter down at verse 23, John chapter 2 and reading beginning at verse number 23. I want to talk to you this morning on something that I think is very fundamental and absolutely and very essential. I want to think together with you this morning on the thought, the most misunderstood statement Jesus ever made. The most misunderstood statement Jesus ever made. There are a lot of things that are said in the Bible that you can afford to misunderstand. But the the matter and the truth that we deal with this morning is a truth that you cannot afford to misunderstand. Therefore, I ask you to pray as I bring this brief message today that the Lord's Spirit will make clear and understandable the truth that is so essential if a man or a woman, a boy or girl is to go to heaven when they die. I began reading that in John chapter 2 at verse 23, and the Bible reads like this. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. But, strangely notice, but Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men and needed not that any should testify of man for he knew what was in man. The divine x-ray of God sees every part of your life, your body, your soul, your mind. There is nothing that is hidden from him. And yet like a loving and a compassionate physician, when he discovers the problem that may be within, he in loving compassion reveals to us that condition and then, thank God, he gives us the remedy for the correcting of that condition. And so as we we continue reading at verse 1 of chapter 3, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto thee, Or that which is born of the physical is physical. And that which is born of the spirit or spiritual is spiritual. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the spirit Nicodemus answered and said, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said, Art thou a master, that is, a teacher of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and you receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. I can think of no more important section of Scripture as it relates to your and my eternal destiny than the very words and the verses that we have read together here this morning. There are at least seven things that I would that I had time to point out to you, but at least I'll give a try. But there are seven things that are so essential to help you get a hold of this particular truth. In the very first place, I want you to understand that many today have misunderstood the very requirement Jesus gave to Nicodemus when he said, except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Back some few years ago, there was a great switching from one political party to another. One politician who had, slipped, who had switched from one party to another party said, when they asked him, how do you feel? And he said, I feel like I'm born again. Well, that's not what it means when Jesus said you had to be born again. A woman who had lost a lot of weight was so proud of herself and someone said to her, how do you feel? She said, I feel I have been born again. Well, changing political parties and losing weight, however needed that may be in some of us. I yet tell you, that is not what Jesus meant when he said, you must be born again. I want you with that in mind to look first of all at the man in this passage. The man, Nicodemus. Several things are revealed about him here. And number one, we could say about this man, he was a religious man. Certainly a religious man such as Nicodemus, who was, by the way, a ruler of the Jews, which term means he was an instructor, he was a teacher of the law to the people of Israel. Now, he was not an ignoramus when it came to religious matters. He well understood the law, and yet though being religious, Jesus said to him, watch this, you must be born again which indicates that though Nicodemus was very religious and a man of great information and intelligence, uh, yet Jesus said, you must be born again, or simply, in other words, if you're just religious, that's not going to get you into my family, that's not going to get you into heaven. There are multitudes of religious people in our world today, people whose names are on the church roll book, People who have gone through the waters of baptism who have never yet met God's requirement for entrance into his kingdom. There are those who are religious. There are those who carry a Bible. There are those who can quote a Bible. There are those who may be able to teach and to preach the Bible. But my friend, that is not what Jesus meant when he said, you must be born again and unless you are, you will never see the kingdom of God. He not only was a religious man, but I think you'll have to observe and admit that he was a man of reputation. The name Nicodemus is interesting. It actually means the people's conqueror. This man was some kind of, of a, maybe a military hero. Maybe he was a hero of moral persuasions. I do not know to what degree he was a hero, but he was a man of great reputation. He was a conqueror and a leader of the people. But yet, as Jesus said, if the blind lead the blind, they will both fall in the ditch. And this man, though religious and though reputable, yet had not met God's requirement for entrance into the kingdom of God. You may have a good reputation in this community. There may not be one person able to point one finger of accusation against you morally or against your honesty or against any upright thing in your life, but listen to me, I'm telling you what Jesus said, and that is, unless you're born again, you'll never see the kingdom of God. And then look at this man again, and you'll discover that as a a ruler, as a man of reputation, as a man of religion... Yet he was a man ruined. When you say, what do you mean by that? He was ruined. Sounds like a pretty good fellow to me. And yet he's something like Naaman. The man who was such a great man in the Old Testament. And the Bible tells all of the things that were uh, associated with him and his greatness. But the Bible says these words, but he was a leper. That is, he was—he had the signatory of death upon him. And so does every man and woman here. Without Jesus Christ, the signatory of death is upon us. For the wages of sin is death. That's the very result of our ruined condition of our sin. We are sinners in the sight of God, lawbreakers common uh, breakers of God's commands. And yet as sinners, uh, we are ruined. And unless a divine miracle takes place in your life and in mine, uh, we will never see the kingdom of God. So the first thing you notice is the man. I want you to notice secondly the message. Jesus said to this man, you must be born again. A simple message. But I want you to observe. Jesus used the term when it's translated you, actually a term that can be rendered you all. Which simply says, not just Nicodemus, but every one of us. All of you, Jesus is saying, must be born again. I'll never forget when I, was, after having been reared in a Christian family, brought up under the sound of the preaching of the teaching of the gospel, I started preaching. I preached my first sermon when I was 14 years of age. And that first sermon uh, I preached from this text, I said to the audience, you must be born again. I kept pointing a finger, pointing with a finger, you must be born again, you must be born again. But as one fellow said, while I pointed one finger at the audience, I failed to see three that were pointing back toward me. Jesus was saying, I don't care who you are, preacher, teacher, deacon, Sunday school worker, church member, who else? Jesus said, unless you're born again, unless all of you are, you'll never see the kingdom of God. And then notice something he says. There is a mandate in this message. Jesus said, you must be born again. You see, friend, there's a lot of things you can go through life without. You go through life without riches. You can go through life without owning a home. You can go through life without having a position in the community, the church, or in the nation. You can go through this life without a lot of things, but you can't get into heaven without being born again. All oh, you say, that's you Baptist preachers. I'm sorry to tell you, it's not a Baptist preacher's message. It is the message of Jesus Christ. It is what our Savior himself declared, not what a preacher says. Thank God for any preacher who will tell any audience anywhere that unless you're born again, you'll never see the kingdom of God. But I want to tell you, these are the words of Christ. And notice the mandate and the word must. You must. You must. That's an absolute eternal imperative. It's something you cannot get by without and get into heaven without. So the mandate is you must be born again. Now watch the message itself. Jesus said you must be born again. Let me ask you to thing. When somebody sends you an announcement in the mail in a little blue envelope or a little pink one and announces the birth of a precious child, and we have had several around here in our church this year. How happy that's made me and how happy these parents are. But yet, when you receive that announcement in the mail announcing the birth of so-and-so at, uh, so and so at so great a length and so many pounds and uh, down the line, what do you think of? Do you think like this? Well, look at there. Somebody has re- been remodeled, somebody has been decorated. Somebody has been patched up. Somebody has been fixed up. Is that the thought? No. The idea is, in the word birth, there is brand new life. Brand new life. Life that has never been on this planet earth before. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying. When he said, Nicodemus, you must be born again, he was saying, Nicodemus, you must have a new life. And my friend, when you come to Jesus Christ, you will have a new life. That life is that life that he brings within, uh, within the person of himself. The very life of God. Our temporal physical life, our life physically rather, is the temporal It's fleeting. We'll live a few years in this body, but that's it. But I want to tell you, our Lord is not talking about the birth of a physical life that has an end to it, but he's talking about a spiritual life. And, sir, you are more than physical. You are spiritual. And Jesus is saying, unless you're born spiritually, you'll never enter into the kingdom of God. In fact, Paul said, flesh and blood shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That means this old carnal flesh, this body of ours. But it is that spiritual life. And that, and that spiritual life can only come as a result of spiritual birth. So Jesus is saying you must be born. And he used the word again. I've explained to you in days past the meaning of this simple word. It comes from the word in the Greek language anothen. And that word anothen is translated three different ways. And all three shades of the meaning of that one word convey to us the heart of what Jesus is saying. You must be born anothen, meaning from above. It is a birth that is not earthly, that is not of ourselves. It is a birth given to us of God. The word anothen also means anew, meaning it is a brand new life. The third rendering of that word is again. So in all three of the shades of the meaning of that word, you have the heart of what Jesus is saying, you must be born from above, you must be born anew, you must be born again, meaning a second time. The first time was a physical birth. The second time is a spiritual birth. And yet Jesus' message has been so terribly misunderstood in these days of ours. I look at the marvel of this man, Nicodemus, at verse 4. Notice the marvel. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time and be born? Uh, 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 second time in his mother's womb and be born? In other words, here's a marvel. this man marvels, and his marvel is born of his misunderstanding. Mr. Nicodemus is misunderstood. He is saying, "Can I start all over again? and if I did so, then I could become a, a part of the kingdom of God." No, sir. Now listen to me, many of us have things in our life we wish had never happened. sins committed wrongs that have been done, we wish had never happened. And somebody you right here today may be plagued with a terrible sense of guilt. But yet let me tell you something. If you were to say, hey, I, oh, I just wish I could turn back the calendar and go all the way back to the moment my mother, I was conceived in my mother's womb and I'd be born all over again, I would live my life differently. There are a lot of things I would not do. There are a lot of places I would not go. There are a lot of things I would not get involved in. But let me tell you something. If that were possible and that could happen, you would be no better off than you are right now without Christ. You see, it is not a second birth physically. It is a birth of the Spirit. The birth that God's Holy Spirit gives when a man believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a, quite a mystery in it. Jesus said the wind blows where it lists, that is, where it desires, and you hear the sound of it. You can't tell from whence it comes or whither it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. A certain mystery in this thing of being born again. An old boy down here in Gainesville, Georgia, many years ago, I was talking to him about uh, about his uh, relationship to the Lord, and uh, he got to tell me about when he got born again, how he got saved. He said, preacher, I can tell you how before I was saved, I can tell you how I got under conviction. I can tell you the things I was thinking. I can tell you how miserable I was, how guilty I felt. And he said, I can tell you about walking down the church aisle, bowing at the altar. And all he said, but there's, and I can tell you about how happy I was after I got saved. And I can tell you how Christ walks with me and I walk with him now. But he said, listen, in all of that, there's a space about that long that I can't explain to save my life. And that was the moment when in faith he touched the hand of God and received Jesus Christ. Something takes place. You can't explain it, but you sure can enjoy it. You may not be able to explain it in terms of man, but there's something of reality about knowing Jesus Christ in a man or a woman's heart. So here, the mystery of it all. Jesus said you must be born from above anew again. Let me ask you to notice now very carefully and so importantly the method. How can I be born again? Notice Nicodemus, the learned man that he was in verse 9 said, Nicodemus answered and said, said unto him, How can these things be? How is it possible a man of my years to have a second birth, a new beginning if you please? The Lord can take the past of your life and push it away and put it behind his back. He can give you a brand new beginning right here today in your life. The pages of the past may be soiled, but every page in the future of your life as you begin it with Jesus Christ, every page in the future has no stain, no spot on it. The method, how is a man born again? Let Jesus tell us. Verse 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal, tell me the next word please, life. Now we said birth is indicative of life. When a man is born, it's the beginning of life. The whole story is when a man believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, all of his heart, he has at that instant given to him eternal life. That is, that kind of life is the life that is the life of our Savior. And as long as he shall live, you will live. Physically, no. Spiritually, eternally, yes. All to know that by simply believing on him you can become a brand new person and a member of the family or the kingdom of God. You see Jesus tells the story, reminds Nicodemus who well knew it. The story recorded in Numbers 21 verse 5. Of the children of Israel how having rebelled against the Lord, the Lord punished them by sending fiery serpents among the people. They bit the people. And much people of Israel died. Moses began to pray for the people and said, Lord, what is the remedy? What's the answer? These people are in the clutches of death. They have the signature of death upon them. What can I do? And the Lord said, Make a serpent out of brass and put it upon a pole. Have you ever seen the medical doctor's insignia with that serpent wrapped around the pole? He said, wrap that serpent around the pole and listen to him. And he said, it shall come to pass that if any man is bitten, when he shall look upon the serpent of brass, he shall live. That was the only remedy. To look in simple faith at that that God had provided. And to look in simple faith at that that God has provided in his son. To look in simple faith, believing on Him, trusting Him, clinging to Him and to Him alone, committing oneself to Him, receiving Him as Savior. Ah, there comes as a result, life instead of death. Death is canceled out. Life begins the moment a person looks in simple faith to Jesus Christ. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, who was the great preacher of England many years ago perhaps one of the best known of all Baptist preachers in the world. Charles Spurgeon's books are read constantly around this world, even to this day, though he's been dead for years. Spurgeon, as a young lad, came out of his home on a winter's morning, wanted to go to his church where he had attended. But instead of that, the snow was so deep that the church had no service. And on his way home, he saw a little chapel And that little chapel was open. He saw smoke rising out of the chimney. He went into that service and sat down toward the back. The winter's weather was so terrible that even the preacher could not come that Sunday. There was only two or three men. One man, a deacon in the church stood and said in the absence of the pastor, I'll be speaking today to you who are here. And he chose a text over in the book of Isaiah that says, Look unto me, all ye ends of the earth, and be saved. For there is none else. uh, There is none else. Look unto me and be saved. And he kept talking about looking unto Jesus and living. And all of a sudden he pointed his finger back toward young Charles Spurgeon and said, young man, look to Jesus and live. And Spurgeon said in that moment, in faith, I looked to Jesus Christ and I became alive. He saved me in that instant as I looked in faith to Him. And it can happen that quickly in your life. If you'll look to Him in simple faith, turning from your rejection of Him and turning to faith in Him, He will give you brand new life. What's the method of it? Read uh, continuing. For whosoever believeth on Him, in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Look at verse 16 and 17 as I close. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, which says God wants you to be a part of his family. He has no willing desire that you perish. But God loved this world ruined by sin, condemned by its lawlessness. Yet he loved the world so much he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Listen to me. Jesus Christ does not stand with a finger of accusation pointing at you and saying you're condemned. He doesn't have to. You know why? You're already condemned by your sin. It's sin that condemns. It's the Savior who saves and rescues and redeems and forgives. He came into this world to save you. He has no desire that you perish, no will that you perish in hell. He wants you to know his healing touch in your heart. He came not to condemn the world, the world through him might be saved. And finally, verse 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Let me give you one final word. Manifestation. When a person has new life in them, it will manifest itself. One of the first things that you'll find out about a young'un when it's born, it's hungry. Do you agree with that? Hungry. When a person has spiritual life, there is a hunger. There is a hunger for the things of God. There's a hunger for the house of God. There is a hunger for the word of God. There is a hunger and it is natural in children. They want to be around other children. And yet again, what a person is saying, they have a desire to be around those who are of the same family. No one want to ask you this. If you claim to have this spiritual life, is there any spiritual hunger in your life? Is there any desire in your heart for the things of God? A child longs to be pleasing to its parent. And yet again, when we have a life, we long to be pleasing to our heavenly father. Obedient to him. Obedient to him in following him in his command of baptism. Not in order to be saved, but because we are. We long to please him. We long to please him by our faithfulness in the house of God. Our witness, our life that we live, whatever. Yet if you are born again and have not a hunger for spiritual things, either you've never been born again or you're sick. Sin will make you sick. It will steal your appetite for the house of God, for the people of God, for the Word of God, the Spirit of God. And I pray this morning that you have not misunderstood what it means to be born again. If I fail in anything, I would pray God I would not fail in this one matter. And that is to tell you how you can go to heaven when you die. You're edging ever closer to the grave. You're edging ever closer to the end of life on this earth. And there is before you an eternity. And I tell you with all of my heart, Jesus said it in John, John chapter 1 verse 12 and 13. And that is, that is, as many as received him, Jesus, to them gave he power, authority to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name. Now in truth, only you can determine whether you have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ be honest with yourself. It'll pay you to be. It'll pay you to check. It'll pay you to examine yourself. For whether you're ready or not, we're headed toward eternity. And soon we'll stand before God and all of the little incidental things that we have clung to will be meaningless without a faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Are you hoping you're going to get to heaven because you behaved yourself? Are you moral? You're honest? Oh, listen, the only way there is through Jesus Christ.